Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome to our October series of the best of and the worst of. This is a particularly interesting series we have going on because we're really going to talk about both sides and both perspectives. And we are kicking it off this series with teams that we've actually worked with. So Michelle, what are your thoughts on this series? First of all, you guys probably figured this out. For those of you that have been following us from the beginning, we love stories. Stories are a great way of teaching and learning lessons. It is a great way of releasing some stress by telling a story. Sometimes it's just fun. And that's what this podcast is going to be. We're also going to post these on all of our social media platforms. And we want you guys to share your best of stories as well. So guys, we're just going to rant for a little bit. Yeah, I love it. I think like this is really interesting, especially to our listeners, because it helps us. I mean, I feel like we've done this a little bit throughout. We obviously talk about companies all the time, um, but I think it's really good for our listeners to get some insight into what we've experienced over our years and what we've, you know, stories we've heard of the best of and the worst of so that we can really help incorporate or help our listeners incorporate in their day-to-day lives on how to really make a better impact within their organization somehow. So teams is very, I think it's a good starting point for us because really it's how you're working day-to-day with your peers in an organization. And I think that's Totally a good starting point for us from this podcast. So Michelle, tell us, like, let's start talking about like the best teams we've worked with. So do you have a best team you've worked with? Yeah, actually, I do want to share a story that is the best, it's one of the best teams that I've ever worked with. Um, And I think, you know, I've actually shared stories of all three of kind of my best team environments I've ever had in my corporate America. You've heard pieces of it in different podcasts before, but now we're just going to hone in on this context. So many, many moons ago, when I was not in human resources, um, I was in retail operations and I was a manager with a core group of about five of us. And every single week we would have a core group meeting and those were hands down some of the most heated conversations I've ever been a part of in my life. But they were super constructive. We formatted them in a way that we stayed focused on discussions about the topic. It was never necessarily about a person. Um, it was really about a situation or a topic, an initiative, etc. But there were times that we would have full-blown, I'm going to call them arguments with each other about our perspective or our opinion. But, and this was the key, and this is what made it so good. Going into it, like even before we started having these core group meetings, we established our goal as the core group. Now, as a core group, our goal was to simply make sure that the employees on every single shift could do what they needed to based on corporate initiatives. So that was our goal. It was that easy. We had corporate initiatives. We had to execute on them. And um, as a group, 
our only objective was to make sure we were successful at that. And as a result of that, what would happen is we would have these heated debates for 30, 45 minutes, right? And then we would, it, like it would end, like all of a sudden it would be like agreement. Even if it wasn't my idea, I got to have my point of view shared. It was respected. It was listened to. It was appreciated. But then we all got up and walked out of that room as a united team for everyone on our shifts, even though we were on completely different shifts, had completely different crews, right? We all walked forward with a message. And I would say that, that the leader helped to set it up that way, to establish those rules. But you also have to have that agreement within the team members. Like you also have to, as team members, there has to be almost a acknowledgement or an agreement to the conditions of the situation. Specifically, it couldn't be about attacking someone. It couldn't be, it needed to be presented in a way that the other was receptive to it. So we all had to be in agreement on those things in order for it to be successful. Now, the interesting thing is when we lost probably half of those people and replaced it with three new people, different chemistry. And it was because we didn't all go into it with the same vision. We didn't all approach it from a place of, I'm going to just say from a place of goodness and accomplishment. And so um, those meetings just became super tense after that. Yeah, I was just going to say, so like as a people leader, what are you constantly doing when you bring in new team members? Like, hey, this is what we do. Here's kind of like the standards. And then as team members, what are the criteria you're all setting with one another? But it's interesting that you said that you hired some new team members and then all of a sudden the dynamics were different and it and the chemistry was different. So it's almost like, how do you hire with setting that precedence during the interview process so that you can have healthy, comfortable debate amongst your team that doesn't turn into something that's chaotic. Yeah. And, you know, I think it is something that has to be established from the leader. Like there has to be that clear cultural expectation of it. And you also have to have that power of authority. Like I actually remember there was a meeting um, one particular time where we needed someone to to behave different. Like we needed this this particular manager to actually hold their teams accountable because they were starting to slip on some of the work that they were doing on that shift. But, and the manager was there so that we could even phrase our statements correctly about why we needed that manager to hold people accountable. And so if we went into a place of personal attack, like you don't do your job or something like that, she would quickly rein us back in and she would say, not constructive. When blank happens, here's the result, right? And so just even to the point of controlling that piece. So I do think while each individual member has to agree to it, it has to be driven by a leader. Our leader was one of the people that changed. Okay, that's tough. Yeah. But you know what? I would say every single situation had one similarity. So whether it was that team at Kinko's or 
when we were piloting an accelerated leadership class with Michael or even with this group. So you, me, Keith, we're another one of those great teams that I've worked with. And what all three of those teams did is we started by being really clear about what the goal was or what the vision was. And as a result of doing that, if you have a different point of view than I do, it doesn't matter. It's just a second possible way to accomplish the goal. So even when you and I disagree on the path to make something happen, we both know that we're both trying to move to the same something. Yeah, I I like that. I'm actually more intrigued to find out. So when you said your people leader change or three people change, did you guys find out that, or did you guys find that you were trying to dig in more yourselves amongst the people that were remaining to continue with the trend of constructive discussions? We did actually try it. And I actually, I actually remember, and um, even today I'm friends with all of these people that I'm talking about, but there's one manager in particular that we worked with who ridiculously sensitive. And because we didn't have that leader there to establish that this was normal and this was the cadence of what our meetings looked like, she would get incredibly defensive. And then eventually we just stopped sharing, even in a a constructive way, because it was exhausting to do it. Oh, yeah. Now, the same time, I'm going to say <laughs> this group, the people that listen to us, you know, our listeners, they already know that we like to debate. You and I both do. But I don't want to make it sound like we argued always. And, and it was always constructive. It was like, you know, here's a new initiative. We have to earn blank amount of money in the next two weeks on this particular product, right? And so it would become this huge debate on how we make that happen, what you know, what marketing we put up, what sales flyers we put up, um, how we talk to the customers, blah, blah, blah. And so sometimes it really just was the difference with, of opinion might have been as simple as I want to put a huge sign on the front door and somebody else says that they think that's ridiculous, right? So we're not talking crazy, angry debates here. We're really talking just constructive brainstorming on how to make stuff work. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, Yeah. Our listeners probably are just like, we think the best teams are all that have healthy debates. (laughs) Um, So what are some of the other things? So I would say aligned vision. The best teams have an aligned vision. They don't have that. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're all moving in different directions, right? The other thing is you've got to have shared goals or KPIs or OKR, whatever you call them at your company. You've got to have something shared as to what the the goal looks like. Otherwise, everyone on your team is going to be seeking to just fix their KPIs instead of the team's KPIs. You do have to have debate. You also have to bring authenticity to the conversation. Um, And that means when something isn't working, you do have to say it. When something is great, you have to say that also. 
I would say those are some core characteristics that I have seen in all really effective teams I've been a part of. Yeah, I would say transparency is probably the the other one that I can think of. So I was on a team where, you know, my boss would constantly keep us involved. And there were times where he probably shouldn't have shared some additional context, but he did knowing that it would give us a little bit more understanding the withems, right? What's in it for me and gave us the whys behind everything. So you know, anytime there's a shift in an organization, it's really tough for people to buy into that. And so it's, you know, change management piece. Obviously, it's a difficult situation, but our bot, like that was probably the best team I'd worked with because we all knew what was going on, why it was happening. And we really marched to the beat together. We were all um, open with one another. We had huddles. Um, so we, you know, we we met at some point during the week or every day, had some discussions. But then, you know, everyone knew where they stood from a performance standpoint. You know, there was no no doubt in anyone's head. I think the some well, we'll get to it. But I, I feel like that's the most important part because then some of those pieces lead to the worst teams you've worked with um, or the worst parts of uh, a team that you've been a part of. And so I would say transparency and collaboration was really huge for me in that team working with that, you know, with that group. I think everybody, like, like you mentioned, I think it comes down from like a people leader perspective and how they set the tone, but also how everybody just works together and they have each other's back and, you know, you have a lot of those scenarios and people can think about all different types of scenarios where that's important. Like if you talk about the military, for instance, you go into combat, you have to have the other person's back. You're not going to sit there and be angry at somebody. And then all of a sudden, you know, just turn a blind eye to it. That's not going to work. Right. Yep. I think, you you know, you can, that exact opposite. It does. If you want to know what a bad team looks like, it's, without all of those things that we just named, right? I would say probably the most emotionally destructive teams that I've worked on, one of them was um, where we had a leader who, because of their actions, I don't know why I'm trying to find a nice way to say this. This person's never going to know I'm talking about them, but whatever. So I'm going to stop trying to say it nicely because of their actions created ridiculously unhealthy competition within the team. Um, And so everybody was always like, there was always the one person that you knew had been chosen as kind of the next because they got all of the great uh, projects. They were the only people recognized. They got bonuses. They got service awards, whatever, all sorts of recognition. And in hindsight, there were moments where I was that chosen one, which really felt nice at the moment. But what happens is the team starts to recognize there can be only one. And when there can be only one, it means you all start vying to be the one. And so now the opposite of what you're saying about getting each other's back and being there for each other. It's now, how can I one up you? How can I look better than you do? Because that's the only way I'm going to stay in her good graces. 
Maybe. I'm going to challenge you there because like I have been the perceived favorite person. Oh, me too. And what I've identified was that I was given a lot of projects because I found extra time in my day to get something accomplished or I wasn't that that person that was complaining about all the workload or I was that person that just got it done right the first time without having to show or, you know, get some extra assistance on it. And they perceived me as being the favorite and my boss was favoriting me. However, I was also given the the worst and the hardest criticism from my boss. So she was a lot tougher on me than any other person. So like anytime I made one error, it was the end of the world and I was the worst person in the world and I shouldn't be working anymore. Whereas someone else is making 10 errors and I'm looking around and like, why isn't anyone else getting scolded? Like, how come I'm the only one that's getting scolded for making an error in punctuation on a presentation or something? So, oh my gosh, <laughs> that was <a> true story. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I'm oh my goshing. Yeah. So it's literally, you know, there's a little bit of give and take when you're perceived as the favorite because a lot of your bo- like a lot of those bosses come down the hardest on those people. So I will tell you, no point in um, disagreeing with you on that because you're absolutely right. And if you fail, man, it is a long way to fall, right? And you hear about it forever. So it doesn't set it up to be a team environment for anyone. So like, if you are the one that is actively getting stuff done, doesn't require a lot of assistance, can jump right in and make shit happen. You're wondering why the hell everybody else gets away with doing half-ass work. And if you're on the other end, you're wondering why this one person is the only one that gets chosen. For sure. I think everyone else is a favorite because they don't get they don't get scolded nearly as much. Exactly. Why do you treat me different than you do everyone else? You know, what's funny is I think in a lot of cases, the real answer is that people leaders are basically human. And they, unfortunately, even though I really feel like everything that could be written about leadership has already been written, right? And it hasn't really changed very much. It's about inspiring people and building vision, communicating effectively, like, Every time I see a new leadership book, I actually think to myself, why? Because you're just saying, like, there is nothing new at this point. But with all of that said, every single company teaches it a little bit different, right? Some people teach it, some people don't. And so in a lot of cases, what happens that leaders learn to be leaders based on what they saw others do versus being strategically taught to be a leader. And so you have someone who is human and flawed and is going to make mistakes. But at the same time, it does make it a horrible team to work for. I do think a lot of times in situations where you haven't built that teamwork where you can count on each other, you'll see a lot of gossiping. You will see some cattiness within a team. Um, You'll see clicks. I know you guys, you're probably thinking, I thought I left that shit in high school. Mm -mm. Sorry about your luck. 
welcome to the real world where there are cliques and some of you are cool and some of you are not cool. And I think it comes down to commonalities because I think I've been, quote unquote, in a clique. I think we all have somehow been in a clique of people where you just get along with them and hang out outside of work or something like that. And you have like this core group of people. But I think it's just a lot of your commonalities and and some of the same viewpoints you have in the workforce. Yeah. I also think there are many times where it is it is truly something normal. I mean, the people that I hang out with most are exactly like you said, they're people that I have similarities with, people that I can relate to. Even if it's not that we agree with each other, we just have stuff in common. We're not purposely trying to isolate others. You just tend to be around the people that you have things in common with. So, you know, as humans though, even those crazy things start to come up in the rumors and the stories and the breakdown of the team. Yeah, I will say, you know, I moved to, I relocated to a different state uh, for work and I stayed with the same company and I realized there were clicks there. And because I hadn't lived there and I was only kind of in a virtual or remote environment, I noticed that I very quickly was not part of those clicks and it's not very easy to let people into those clicks. So, you know, that's the challenging part is there's clicks, but then there's like these clicks where you just can't get into, which then becomes more of a high school thing other than commonality of discussions. So, right. Yeah, it totally happens. So how about you guys? Um, I lost my train of thought, which is why that was that dramatic pause. I have a friend who tells me that in my Southern accent, I put about six syllables too many in every single word. Um, (laughs) So that whatever, whatever. How about you guys? So we really want you to share what are some of the characteristics that made up the best teams that you've ever worked for? So Um, If you clicked on this link on one of our social media platforms, go in, share in the comments and let us know what you think is important in an effective team. Yeah. So we will continue our series, but we can't wait to hear more from you all. So until next time, listeners. Bye.